hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, if you're looking for Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, you are in the right place, and I am Mark Hershon, your humble host. If you're looking for any other podcast, you may be in the wrong place, or maybe you're going to hear a clip from that podcast right here on our show, because that's what we do. Now, the past few episodes, I've been featuring interviews and snippets from shows that were at this year's Los Angeles Podcast Festival, October 4th through the 6th. Now, there's still more to get to, but in this episode, I'm going to take a little break from the PodFest because I've got a couple of, uh, uh, I have one clip from the PodFest in this show, but the main focus of Epi 73 is going to be my revisit and interview with the comedy and independent movie production team of Gabriel Diani and Etta Devine. We last spoke with Gabe and Etta when they were doing a Kickstarter campaign for their comedy horror movie called The Selling. That movie ended ended up doing pretty well. They played in movie festivals around the U.S., they got a limited theatrical release, and now they're out on DVD, and you can also rent it online through places like Amazon.com. They're now doing their most ambitious Kickstarter to date, trying to raise $100,000. The campaign kicked off this past week, and when I was in L.A. for the PodFest, I got a chance to sit down with Gabe and Etta to find out about their new project. Now, here's the audio from their initial Kickstarter video for the project called Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. And believe me when I say, the audio does not do the video justice. I'm Gabriel Diani. And I'm Etta Devine. This is our dog, Watson. And our miserable cat, Mrs. Peel. We're making a movie called... It's about two comedians who discover that surviving the end of civilization is almost as difficult as surviving in Hollywood. It's like one of those old Hope and Crosby road movies. Meets Cormac McCarthy's The Road. But funny. Funnier. Right. It's It's The the Road road to the the road. Road. We wrote parts for a lot of our active friends from some of our favorite stuff. People like Armin Shimmerman and Harry Groner from Star Trek and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Barry Bostwick from the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Spin City. Janet Varney from The Legend of Korra. Paul Stratton from the Pop My Culture Podcast. And the rest. Kurosawa said it is wonderful to create. And we agree. We love making movies. And we'd love for you to join us in making Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. We have lots of great incentives. Like digital downloads. DVDs. Interactive experiences with the cast. Producer credits. And Tony Moore. So please, give what you can. And follow the campaign on our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages. We'll be releasing a new video every day for the next 30 days. Sometimes two. Featuring a different member of our cast doing ridiculous things. If you like them, share with your friends. This is a big project, and we can't do it without your help. Thank you for making the apocalypse possible. And you might want to update your emergency kit. We should do that. Yeah. We've got that video embedded for you up on the SuckatashShow.com website, so go take a look. As I say, the uh, the audio part is only a portion of the magic therein. And uh, we'll get to the interview with Gabe and Etta in just a little while, because we do, after all, have a few podcast clips to play. 
We also have our Burst O'Durst with comedian Will Durst coming up later, our Tweet Sack segment, and also a few other audio treats from the Diani and Divine Project. Just a reminder that we can always use your help in putting this free podcast out there because, let's face it, what's free for you isn't free for us. There are three ways that you can help out. One is to go up to our home site at SuccotashShow.com and just click the donate button. Easy peasy. The second way is to use the Amazon banner at the top of our homepage the next time you want to go shopping at Amazon.com. That banner is a portal to their site and just by you passing through it, we get a little payback from Amazon. Or three, you can purchase some merch at our Suckatashery, the link to which is also at SuccotashShow.com. Now, before we go any further, let's not forget our friends over at the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, Dean Haglin and Phil Lerness. Why? Because they don't forget us. As you will hear in their most recent Epi 337, the boys are having some computer problems. Why don't we, uh, why don't we see if we can do some live mixing here? Uh, because uh, we need to get started with uh, a little something that we like to call... Uh, and that didn't work at all. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. It's, everything's just uh, working like uh, <laughs> like we just... just I'll cut this is in. our first ever podcast. Yeah, what do you mean? Hmm. Just as they seem to be having some computer problems, I seem to be having some microphone problems. This, this mic I'm using seems to be popping my peas quite a lot, but it's all I got to work with today, so please bear with me. You can catch Dean and Phil at their home site at chillpackhollywood.com, on their Facebook page, on Twitter, on the radio superstation, and in Dean Haglund's kitchen. Now, I know what you're wondering. How the heck are all those podcasts faring on Stitcher Smart Radio? We don't have time to run down the list of the tens of thousands of podcasts that are featured there, but we do have time for... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast It's our top 100 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast list. Those podcasts that moved up the most or down the most on Stitcher's Top 100 Comedy Podcast this past week. And this week, there were a lot of big number movers. Here are the ones that did the most, and by the most, I mean triple-digit climbs all up the chart. At 73, Harmontown. Up 162 places. At 85, straight out of low cash. 159 places upwards. At 89, Rona and Beverly, up 162. At 91, Talkin' Walkin', up 166. That's with Kevin Pollock. At 92, Distorted View Daily is up 169 places. At 94, This Is That from CBC Radio, up 174 places. At 96, A Mediocre Time with Tom and Dan Show, 170 places up. That's 170 places up. All these, all these people just bouncing up this week. At 97, Cluster F up 209 places. At 98, That American Life is up 172. And at 99, the Brody, <laughs> the Stephen Brody Stevens Festival of Friendship, uh, which has been off actually for a little while. They're finally back. Stephen's finally back with a new episode, and it shows he's up 369 places this week to get back up into the top 100. So uh, welcome back up there, Steve. Uh, wow. Those are plenty of shows. Uh, there's plenty of shows on the list, by the way, that are just under those numbers, too. It's crazy week on the uh, Stitcher Top 100. Uh, so go check it out yourself if you want to. 
The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List! As I said, even with our upcoming interview with Diani and Divine, we're keeping our connection with the recent L.A. Podfest hanging in there. We've got a clip from Aisha Tyler's Girl on Guy podcast that was done live at the festival. I was in the podcast lab while her show was on, but fortunately, our honorary associate producer, Tyson Sainer, clipped this one up for us. If you'd like to hear some cool music, by the way, Tyson has some original stuff up on SoundCloud and a brand new song as well. So get up there and search for Tyson Sainer. I'll also have a link to his page on this Epi's blog entry at SuckatashShow.com. But in the meantime, let's hear Aisha in this segment where she's talking with guest Nick Kroll. I don't, I don't think I ever envisioned my future um, exactly. But looking back, I'm like, oh, I wanted to be a comedian. I just didn't know, I didn't know you could be. Like mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's this thing that is this thing, that Ma- like, a magical thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, and in the back of your head, like I had a job one summer where I was working in Wyoming, and I, I was working at a restaurant, and Harrison Ford flew in. Uh, on his plane from Jackson Hole to this town in Wyoming to go to dinner. And I was like washing dishes and a busboy, and they were like, will you drive him to the restaurant? I was like, sure. And the whole time I was just trying to be so fucking funny and charming, being like, well, I'm going to kill it on this 10-minute ride. (laughs) And Harrison Ford's going to be like, hey, you've got it. (laughs) I'm putting you in the movies because I'm an actor. Uh, um, so I think, and that I was like 18 or 19, and so I think even at that, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, I wanted to be doing this, right. you know. Right. I just didn't know one could be. Right. Did you did you have like comedians that you admired or that you were like into when you were a kid, when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I watched Saturday Night Live all the time, obviously. Um, but I, Mel Brooks movies were the movie I watched over and over, like Producers and Blazing Saddles and. Um, Young Frankenstein and History of the World Part One were like the first videotapes that my family owned, right, you know. Right. And yeah, I just were, would watch them. Definitely rich. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, we knew a family, and we were like, they buy movies on tape. <laughs> yeah. Because that was back when, like, buying a movie was like fifty bucks. Yeah. Or if you lost, if you rented a movie, a VHS, and then you didn't return it, right? Like, it was like a hundred dollars, and right. you're like, what? Right? <laughs> and now you think about it, like, that's literally six cents worth of fucking material. Exactly. Like, nobody knew, like, like the VHS was really, like, every world was just like, don't say anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> I literally urinated on this thing. Yeah. Like, that's well, how that was the, largely the movies that I was, oh, was yeah, watching. Yeah, Golden Showers? Yeah, yeah. I was, as a kid, I was really into piss films. Piss ports? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you went to Georgetown. You, you grew up in Westchester with this, like, nuclear family. Your dad mm-hmm. started a business. Mm-hmm. He invented Post-its or something like that. Mm-hmm. What, right? Literally. D- fuck you. Yeah, no I'm, I'm just going to say that the whole show. Yeah, what, did, what business did your dad start? Um, he started a, a company that uh, has evolved into, like, um, uh, cor- Twitter? corporate investigations. Ooh, like what? Well, right now, like, uh, all different types of crazy stuff. Um, uh like uh, the thing he was most known for for a long time was he the Kuwaiti government hired him to find out where Saddam Hussein was hiding his money. What? Yeah. Um, and now he he has started a new company with my brother, uh, and they're doing the investigations business. But he's also started a, he started a new ratings agency for television. No, like for like 
corporate bonds and stuff to compete with like Moody's and Fitch's and all those like, yeah, all those S and P, like all those rating agencies that failed America in 2008 when all like the bubble burst and they were like, Oh, we were giving everything triple star, triple A ratings, you know? And they were like, (laughs) there was nothing behind them. So, uh, he started a, a, a rating agency. Balls, it's fucking That's ballsy. balls. Yeah, yeah, it's You're ballsy. Like, I'll stand in Porsche Moody's Crow Agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally, literally. <laughs> balls. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. He's um, he's cool, and and my brothers work with him. They're doing they're doing cool stuff. So uh, I'm imagining that your business starting dad didn't wasn't dreaming of sending his kid to Georgetown and then ended up with a comedian for right. Uh, um, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But I think when he when he started to envision what I did as entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. then he got on board. How'd you, how'd, did you have to pitch him on that? Yeah, I was like, here's my presentation. No, um, <laughs> no, I think he, as soon as he saw, like, one, as soon as he saw me, like, getting in commercials and getting work, right. like, that he was like, oh, this is a feasible career. Right. Because they didn't know anybody in entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't, like, parents don't, aren't like, oh, well, there's this model that you follow. There's no business model for right. entertainment business. Uh, or maybe the business model is break your parents' heart and be hungry a lot. That, yes. Like that, if that <laughs> yeah. could be a business a model. Very effective. And Cry, develop a drinking problem. Like yeah. that's like the other part of the model. That, yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a yes. great, there it is. It's yeah. a great part of it. Um, Mm. Delicious. Yeah, you hear that sip? Right. A little I, I sip of sadness on the bad. podcast. <laughs> listening. So um, but yeah, so I think once they, and then once you saw that, I was like, well, I'm, I'm creating this web series or I'm directing this thing or I'm putting together this show or I'm going on tour. Whatever it was, was he was like, oh, you're building a business. Like yeah. you're, uh, and, 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 um, they were always supportive, but I think like that's when I think he was like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of cool that you're doing it. You can catch Aisha talking with some more men and the occasional woman at girlsonguy.net, iTunes, Stitcher, or get her smartphone app. We've got a clip in this week from the Take Me Home podcast. This is a show hosted by Tyler and Parker. The premise of the show is that they talk to comedians in Los Angeles, but about their hometowns and growing up there. But they get there by talking about what's going on in the hometown news that week. Kind of an interesting and fresh premise. In the clip that they sent along, your guest is Brant Tobler, who talks about how he helped himself to over a million bucks in merchandise from a department store in his hometown of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, you had something going on at Dillard's? Yeah, I ran a huge scam, which I called the Malfia. When I worked nice. at Dillard's, uh, we had figured out that they treated us like shit. So I had convinced everyone in the men's department that we were just going to rob the place. And to anyone that doesn't know, what what kind of store is Dillard's? Dillard's is like a, it's just like a big department store. It's like Macy's. Like uh, Macy's, okay, yeah. Okay. So, and they didn't have any security. All they had was a, a, a police officer, a real police officer from the Cheyenne Police Department. And he would just walk around the store all day. Yeah. But he would always try to any of them would always stay up at the front and try to hit on the makeup girls. So over time we figured out, I mean, we were, so I was like the king of the mafia where I could get anything in the mall for free, except for like jewelry and like puppies. Other than that, I was like Tony's, I would walk through the mall and everyone knew. So like, if you gave me Taco John's, I'd let you come in and get a shirt. If you gave me Jordan's from Foot Locker, I'd let you fill up a bag. (laughs) Jesus. So I was awesome. Yeah. So, and and all my friends were black and broke and it was like the height of Tommy Hilfiger and Nautica and shit. And I just hooked up everything. I just let them come in. Like there's a bag in there and I hooked up everybody. Grand Theft Auto, Cheyenne. Yeah. Yeah. And I was wearing polo at the time. I saw someone on TV that I thought was cool wearing like Ralph Lauren polo and no one, I mean, like eighty five dollars shirts, oh, yeah. and by the end, I had stolen. Every, I had four polo belts. I had stolen every polo shirt, jeans, everything. So they flew this guy in from Arkansas, 
from the headquarters and he was walking around Lost all day oh, yeah, the Lost Prevention guy. Yeah, they brought it, in like an outside guy so it was it was uh obvious that he was there because he was just walking around the whole time so then eventually uh towards the middle of the day they get over the loudspeaker and they're like brant tober can you please come to the office and oh, i was shit. like shit here it is you know and this is it. part of me is like i should just take off but then part of me really started to believe my mafia like i'm the man fuck this they know you know i'm not going down for <laughs> yeah. nobody they can't touch me I'm like, I'm like 20 years old at the time i think i'm above the law I'm not speak until <laughs> my lawyer is present and i go in this room and so i come to the office i go in this room and when i get in the room there's the manager of the store the manager of the men's department the loss prevention guy from arkansas I think there was, and then just the police officers. So there's four of them and then me, and they sit me down and they start giving me that shit about, uh, if you just tell us the truth, you know, we'll go easy on you. You know, yeah. if you just tell us the truth, it'll be easier on you. That means they have nothing on yeah. you. Yeah. They don't want it. And my dad was in prison the whole time I was a kid and he didn't really teach me much, but he did teach me never say shit to, you know, you never snitch on yourself, anybody. So I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. So they're getting madder and madder. Then at one point they're like, well, we saw your girlfriend walk out with like two bags. I used to just have my girlfriend come in and get stuff. But I was like, okay, well then if you saw that, why didn't you arrest her? And they were like, you know, looking at each other. So then the last straw was <laughs> the last well, straw was uh, uh, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you uh, when you work there, you're supposed to send letters out to like uh, thank you notes to people that spend a lot of money. And I was sending letters off to my buddy in the Navy, just like telling him about my life. And then on the bottom of one of these letters, I had wrote. And they had the Dillard's like imprinted on the letter, so mm-hmm. I just wrote, "I am robbing," and then it had the Dillard's imprint blind. You, you wouldn't believe how much shit I got, right? So they pull oh. out these letters and they show it to me. And they're like, what's this all about? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the other thing, at the time, like I said, I was like 20. So I was just starting to get laid all the time. And these letters were just full of the most graphic eating oh, pussy stories and shit. So the, all these people had to read them. And uh, so then they're like, uh, this. so they're like, what's this all about? And so long story short, eventually the guy's getting mad at me he's yelling at me and then i was like all right i just got to take a stand you know this is going anywhere not going anywhere so i just stood up and i'm like all right i'm I'm done talking either fire me or arrest me but i'm done and he's like sit down we're not done i'm like i'm done no and like, then they look they at can't yeah, hold you. they look at the cop and the cop looks at them they go we'll be right back and they go out in the hallway and then like 20 minutes later he comes back in and he with a piece of paper and i had to sign that said uh i was fired and i'm not allowed in any dealer store and i was fired for uh mail fraud sending out personal letters on company stationery or whatever so yeah. then they parade me through the through the store and and uh, i walked out like the king no i could have been in so much trouble because they said that the, the it was off 1.25 million the inventory was off holy what? shit because we were getting everything I and mean, there was like eight of us in the men's department so we were going you know like if you work there i'd say yeah. well when your family comes in you know, and your family comes in and they don't, they just ran that store so shitty. And then I don't know if that was the whole store or just our men's department, but, but I mean, like my polo wardrobe I had was probably damn near a hundred thousand. I mean, I had oh, every, shit. I mean, those are like $85. Yeah, well, if, if, uh, what is it? If, uh, like 1000 people stole $1,000, yeah. which I, it sounds like a lot, but that's actually probably, yeah, really well, we didn't have a thousand people, but we probably had, I mean, I probably ran through. 75 of my friends and they were all if you were close to me i mean you can get whatever you want it was i felt like Dude. robin hood like because fuck that's, them yeah. they hated us and, and I'm, uh, I'm glad you got away with it honestly me that's too because i'd have been in big awesome. trouble yeah, statue, i think over statue limitations passed right yeah well i can't i, I don't give a shit I, I also love that they had to they had to read notes of oh. of your describing eating pussy yeah if you could have heard it, it, it listened like a suckling pig what does that mean sir 
<laughs> Literally, I've been thinking about this for days. So the, the mafia is over. I, I survived, luckily. That's good. Oh, you hit it. Nice moves by Brant Tobler. Thanks to Tyler and Parker for shooting that clip to us. Like to have those guys on the show in the near future once I get through all the PodFest interviews that I still have in the can. And just like they did, by the way, if you are a comedy podcaster and want to get a clip on Succotash before we get around to finding you out there ourselves, just send me a three to five minute MP3 slice to clips at SuccotashShow.com. It's just that easy. We do appreciate clips here on the podcast. I feel they give listeners an ear into what you're really about. And from there, they can make a decision to go hear a whole episode if they want to. Promos, on the other hand, can be a little deceptive. It's like those movie trailers that show all the best bits and pieces so that when you go to see the film, you realize that you've pretty much already seen all the good stuff. That said, every once in a while, a comedy podcaster decides to really work it. Like Robert Q. Lichtenstein, the brains behind the Angry Old Man podcast. Now, not only did he put together this custom succotash promo of the show, but bear in mind that all of the voices in this piece are voiced by Robert himself. Take it away, angry old man. Hello there, my name is Robert Q. Lichtenstein. And I'm Edna Jean Lichtenstein, and we produce a weekly comedy podcast from our little mobile home in Bellaterra, <coughs> California. Yeah, I know, whoop-de-doo. Uh, what does the uh, whoop-de-doo uh, really mean, uh, Roberto? I don't have time uh, to I'm... explain stuff to you oh. now, Frank. We have to uh, get this promo done for a succotash. A sucker what It's not uh, a sucker what no. Then who do we? have to uh, suck, because yes. I'm oh. not a sucking... No, no, nobody. no Mama, we're, we don't have to suck anybody. Oh, Nobody's sucking no, no one. No. Please, but, let Robert explain. Yeah, yeah. Robert but, said it's a succotash, and honey says certainly. Oh, that's right. And ma- my mama I, is not a sucking a nobody. Yeah, right? Nobody is sucking nobody. No. Nobody's yeah. sucking nothing, okay? Yes. We're doing a promo for a show called Succotash. Right. Oh. Well, well, Robert, let me get this straight. All right. In other words, uh, succotash is not a guy that we have to suck. Right? No, nobody's sucking. It's right. succotash. That's the name of the show. Oh. Okay, oh. it's yeah. a comedy oh. podcast right. about comedy podcasts. Exactly. Right. So there's no sucking involved. No, at all. There is no, no sucking, sucking involved at no. all, honey. Oh. All right. Oh, don't sound so disappointed, honey. Uh, Curly, please. Uh, Curly, honey, please. Let's just... Right. Jet. Let Robert explain, okay? Uh, Roberto, uh, Roberto, what? before you explain, could you explain to me... What? What does a succotash... What does that mean? Succotash is, well, it's a dish. Oh, yeah, but didn't Sylvester the Cat, the Warner Brothers cartoon... Yes. Used to say suffering succotash. Yes, yes he yes, used he to did. say suffering succotash, but that's not what this is about. Right. Uh, succotash is a dish, right, Edna? Yes, it is. It's a delicious oh. food dish. Yeah. Consisting primarily of corn and lima beans or other shell beans. Oh. Uh, other ingredients may be added, including, you know, like tomatoes and green yeah. or sweet oh, red oh, peppers. Oh, yeah. And you're supposed to suck it? No, you're not no. supposed to suck no. it. Oh. Then what do you do? 
do with it? You eat the damn stuff. Yeah. That's what. Oh. You, yeah. Please, mistake. Right, your mistake. But succotash, yes. that's a food. Oh. We're talking about a podcast right. called uh-huh. Succotash. Oh. Uh, Roberto, yeah. uh, Roberto, one question. If uh, this uh, podcast yes. is called Succotash, Succotash, uh, Succotash, uh, yes. then uh, why is it called Succotash? It's a podcast. It's a it's about the food, but the food it's is not, not about the, food. Uh, Frank, it's called Succotash because it has a lot of different ingredients, you know, yes. in there. Oh. They use different podcasts oh. to create a funny comedy podcast. Yes. So I would imagine that's the reasoning behind calling it right. Succotash. A little bit of everything. Are we straight on that now? Yeah, as see, long see. as no sucking is involved, we are uh, okie-dokie. Uh, no, it's just a metaphor. That's right. what it is. Uh, a metaphor? What? Holy crap, we only have five minutes to do this. Will you all just shut yes, up? Robert, uh, I just want to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, that Angry Old Man Podcast <laughs> is like a weekly visit to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Except in this case, it's Grandma and Grandpa on steroids. And hammerites. <laughs> Come on now, Edna, not you two. I'm not lying. What we are doing here is trying to prepare our younger listeners for old age. In a yeah. funny way. Because, face it, we're all going to get old. Yes. We are also showing our older listeners that wow. old age can be fun. Yeah, yes, get the yes. stick out your ass and have a good time. That's yes. what we're trying to promote. <laughs> That's right. Old age can be fun and funny, too. Oh, hilarious. If you yes. get a chance, take a listen to the angry old old man podcast please please where you're gonna meet uh, people like uh, uh, okay you guys introduce yourselves uh, my name is curly fries i am robert's best friend yeah and i am honey pots uh, yes. i am curly's girlfriend and uh, formerly in show business yes, oh, yes. Oh. honey used to be an exotic dancer uh, she was a stripper an mama. exotic dancer right. i took her clothes off come That's on, a stripper. You, uh, mama, come uh, on. my name is uh, mama angelina and I carry a large pleasure stick in my lady bag. And I'm a Frank Teramisu, and I carry nothing in my gentleman's bag. That's for <laughs> sure. That's the Angry Old Man Podcast. Yes, and you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. That's right. Friends, it's no secret that at Henderson's Pants, we don't like to see anyone go without a snappy pair of trousers from working stiffs on the factory floor to high-powered honchos in their penthouse offices henderson's has been cradling their buttocks every step of the way but what about the fop the dandy that urbane gent about town preoccupied with little else than his manners and his clothing it doesn't matter that a feat snobbery went out well over 50 years ago when the fops went out the door henderson's pants went with them and we've stayed with them too. You generally won't find Henderson's fancy pants for fops on a casual shopping spree, but if you're a pretentious popinjay, just give your local Henderson's pants salesperson that snide smirk you've got down to a science, and you'll be shown into our private fitting area in no time flat. You'll be seated comfortably with a brandy in hand and a snoot full of snuff, watching a parade of the latest fancy pants parade right by you. With any luck at all, you'll favor us with a fitting, and although we never dare hope to be so lucky. You might even leave the premises with a fresh pair, (laughs) dare we say two, of Henderson's fancy pants for fops under your arm. Originally designed for
for syphilitic poets, renaissance painters, and Beau Brummel. We'd ask you to tell your friends, but we know that you don't actually have any. Fancy pants for fops from Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1491. Now back to Succotash. Uh, thank you, Bill Haywatt. And uh, hopefully, uh, I've been promising this for a while, but we should have a new boozing with Bill segment pretty soon. Bill is... Uh, Bill needs to whip something up, is what he's got to do. We're going to get to our interview with Gabe Diani and Ada Divine in just a couple of more minutes, but first we must get into the tweet sack, which we skipped in the last episode because there was so damn much to do. But Tweety gets sickly if we miss too much tweet sack. So there you go, Tweety. Let's uh, let, let's get back into it. At Harry Humor NY tweeted. Succotash Show just quoted one of my tweets on episode 71. I almost crapped my Henderson's pants. Thanks, Harry. We should send you a free pair for the free plug if they only existed. Our friend John Anilio sent an email. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for buying the Halloween, the Halloween EP. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy it. Last episode, we played the title track from John's new EP, A Stormtrooper for Halloween, which you can get for free just by going to johnanilio.com or find the link to his website at succotashshow.com. And I ran across Darren Staley on Twitter last week. Um, Darren was the host of the Dylan Brody's Neighbors Couch podcast, which he shut down a little while back. Hadn't really chatted with Darren of late, so I sprang an instant Twitter view on him via his Twitter handle, at Crobama. I asked him, are you glad to be out of the podcast game? Do you miss it? Or maybe a little of both. To which he responded, I miss conversing with all the great guests. I don't miss the stress of being a performer, if that makes any sense. Doing a podcast requires a mix of interviewing and the gift of gab. I think I'm decent at the former, not so much at the latter. I went on to ask, do fans of your podcast have anything you might have in mind for the future to look forward to? Written interviews? And Darren tweeted back, I have stepped away from the review slash interview thing altogether, doing some writing, but mostly leading a boring life. So if you miss Darren as much as I do, you can still catch him tweeting every so often at Crobama on Twitter. Now here's a rundown of some of the folks that were kind enough to mention, reply to, retweet, or follow Succotash this past week on Twitter. Combat Radio. We're going to be talking to host Ethan Detmeyer about his upcoming third annual Christmas breakfast soon. Storyworthy, Stitcher Radio, Justy Dodge, Staff Loungin, Perfect Basics, Podcast Whore, Monica Homburg, Inverse Delirium, The Comedy Buffet, Man's Sh- Man School Show, 31 Podcast, Clutch 43 from CWERradio.com, where you can hear episodes of Succotash replayed every week. Polarizing Images, Angry Hero Sean, also known as Sean Merrick, who was our guest for last week's Epi 72, Utter Tosh Pod, Davy and Dent, The Pod Mafia, Check This, Alden Stories, The Random Variety Show, Ed Wallach, Super Knocked Up, Air Raid Net, Mental Poison, Broadcast Basement, Jimmy Schubert, I Am Idiot Central, and Pearl a Day. Uh, that's going to do it for uh, the tweet sack for this week. So uh, remember, if you uh, want us to mention your comedy podcast, just include at Succotash Show in your tweet about it when it drops, and we will retweet it through our Twit stream. I am sitting in the, the home of Edit Divine and Gabriel Diani, uh, previous guests on Succotash. 
And uh, they are they are guests yet again. Uh, <laughs> did you just the, silently bow the once on a and podcast? future guests? The once and future <laughs> guests, exactly. I did uh, bow, yes. Yeah. But uh, welcome back to Succotash. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Will. Uh, let me just, as we're doing this, I will go ahead and just make sure that I'm getting you guys properly. Go ahead, uh, just just say hello. 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 Excellent. Thank you. See how that I'll cut this part out and marry it to the first part. It's, uh, well, a lot of, another thing, we were, we were just talking about my visit down here to Southern California to the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, and a lot of podcasters haven't discovered, if they're new to sort of audio mediums, they don't understand how editing is supposed to work, and that you can cut out things right. that don't make sense, or just are boring, or they I just I can't go, count the number of times you hear on a podcast, oh, we'll cut that out, when they're not joking. Obviously, and they don't. And they don't. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I don't think they know how, quite frankly. I mean, editing is, its as you guys know from filmmaking, it's a skill. Yeah. And whether it's mm-hmm. audio. You know, I, I learned how to cut audio when I was working in radio back in the days when it was all on tape. And you had to use razor blades and, a, and <laughs> scotch tape to edit. Now with digital, it's so simple. And yet, if you don't know how to do it. Right. Uh, I figured out how to edit in Audacity. And Photoshop makes me cry. So if that... <laughs> I feel like that's the level of hardness of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe no. they should learn. Uh, yeah, Audacity makes it very simple. Uh, GarageBand has some great tools, things like that. Um, but we're not here to talk about the nuts and bolts of <laughs> podcasting. I just spent oh, a week. I just spent a weekend doing that. Um, we prepared a whole bunch of podcasting information, but that's okay. We can... <laughs> well, you know, what? we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, the last time we talked to you guys was in relation to your movie, The Selling. Yes. Uh, and um, The Selling ended up to do pretty well. I mean, in terms of getting out there and people yeah. knowing about it, and it made a number of festival screenings, and uh, made a, a release splash, and did. is available on, on DVD, is it not? DVD, VOD, uh, there's a TV channel called FearNet that yes. it premiered on. And we'll it, walk it over to your house. <laughs> well, it's in our purses. <laughs> Your purse. Yeah. We share a purse. Right. Uh, for, for those who uh, are unfamiliar with the selling, why don't you just give a little bit of a, a, a capsule explanation of, of what the plot is. Absolutely. It's about a real estate agent who's trying to sell a haunted house, and hilarity ensues. It's comedy <laughs> uh, in the style of the old Abbott and Costello meat uh, franchise and, uh, you know, Ghostbusters and Shaun of the Dead and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Just all the best movies. It's Just like, all the best. It's the like best all the best movies ever. Yeah. Uh, and it is very enjoyable. I, I've, I've seen it uh, on my home screen. I've seen it in theaters with mm-hmm. you guys. You have. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I'm making my way slowly through the, uh, the uh, version with the... Uh, the narration, if you will. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched that. No? no. You haven't watched the commentary? Uh-uh. He, oh, yes. he lived it. He yes. Lived it. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mentioned in there, by the way, I uh, sent in a question. <laughs> we appreciated the question. Absolutely. The interactivity. Yes. We'll send you a, uh, an iPhone version. You can, you can watch it on the iPhone as well. Excellent. On every different device. But that was a very, I mean, even when we did the interview before, you were half, halfway through your education <laughs> of movie making and movie yes. production and movie release and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and that has uh, girded your loins as it was for your new venture. 
Yes. Well, we obviously didn't learn anything if we're doing it again. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't learn enough. Right. It's like the pain of childbirth. You, you forget it. <laughs> like, oh, let's have another kid. You just remember the good parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we, uh, we like creating stuff, and um, we haven't, uh, you know, figured out that maybe independent filmmaking isn't the wisest business choice, but, uh, but we love it. Unlike the moneymaker podcasting. Oh man, I'll tell you the uh, you know I I flew here to L.A. in my private helicopter. Your gold coat is uh, blinding. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm just gonna um, drill some stuff and cut some two by fours. <laughs> We're here in your workshop. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can fix that in post. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we're doing it again. We have a, a movie called Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. And uh, we're going to be raising funds on Kickstarter for the production, post-production, Kickstarter fulfillment, all that stuff. And uh, it's another comedy about... We, um, we play ourselves, struggling comedians in Los Angeles, and uh, lights, power, communication goes out. And uh, we wait too long to leave town, and... We figure out that the apocalypse is not going to come back on. Yeah, it's just as hard as Los Angeles. So So we hit the road and uh, looking for a safe haven with our pets, our dog Watson and our cat Mrs. Peel. Mm -hmm. Both uh, here for the interview. Yes. 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 And it's uh, it's really in the spirit of the old uh, Hope and Crosby Road movies, Mm -hmm. the um, Abbott and Costello comedy team movies, the sort of classic things with a modern take on it meets um, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Nice, but funnier. So, but funnier, funnier than the road. Are there uh, are there songs? There are. There is. There is a song at the end. There's a song and dance at the end. Nice. Uh, that we're uh, hoping we can trying to negotiate. Try and negotiate the rights to the song. We want to sing side by side at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, it's just fits thematically perfectly, and it's just like a couple years after the the, the public domain dates. So we're like. Oh. Is twenty percent of the budget worth um, oh, wow. a five second uh, little song? Five second. Well, okay. We're doing the whole thing, baby. Seconds. We're paying that much money. We're doing the whole. Well, and we're thing. not paying that much money. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. We might sing next to each other instead. <laughs> <laughs> you know the old standard yeah. next to each other or side by side. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We'll do a sound alike. Um, yeah, so there are songs. There's comedy. We do our comedy act in it. Um, we, uh, we start out at a comedy show in L.A. We get some of that, and then we end up, uh, at one point, spoiler alert, we get uh, captured by cannibals, and we have to do our act for the cannibals in order to try to convince them not, <laughs> not to, to eat us. Nice. Um, so it's a bit of a concert film as well as a, uh, as a, you know, a narrative feature. What is it like to, or what do you imagine it will be like to have played yourselves as characters in the movie? Where you, I mean, you're using your real names. And... Right. It's really hard to figure out how far to go with things and what what in your relationship is funny to other people because it's familiar to them, and what is just embarrassing. <laughs> right. So it was it was almost the easiest thing that we've written. Yeah. Uh, strangely, we thought it would be a lot. Uh, harder than it was, but oh, what did he do? Uh, he, I don't know. He hurt himself trying to go under the couch to go to the wall. Um, anyway, enough. we can edit that out. <laughs> um, but uh, it was the 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 writing process was like I would say this, and then I would say this. Oh, I wouldn't say that. And it was you don't have to think about the characters so much. What? I'm just wondering if we want to pause because he's probably only going to be doing that for a minute or two. 
Is this sound okay for you? Oh, it'll be fine. Okay. It's, it's, it's living sound. Right, right. right. We're actually, we're in a, in a home, we're in the money pit, basically. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a rented money pit, but it's a yeah. money pit nonetheless. Yes. There's been some sort of disaster. That's the thing. Like, after four weeks of construction, we don't get anything out of it. So. <laughs> but no, it's fine. It's fine. Well, what were you saying? It was easy to write? Uh, it was just, it was a lot easier to write because we didn't have to th really think about the characters. Yeah. <laughs> I would write a line and she's like, I'm not going to say that. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I guess you have veto power. You know, you know the character pretty well. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're fictionalized versions of us. But um, our, our process is usually pretty painful and arduous. And we do a lot of readings um, with actors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we set one up for this and everyone said, all right, shoot it. We're like, Really? Really? You don't want to hear it 15 more times in slightly different versions? And so, I, admit that I don't know if that's good or not. No, it's good. It's good. It's, so. uh, it, it's exciting. I'm kind of excited about it because it's different than anything that, that we've written. Yeah. It's, it's an apocalypse movie, but it's also sort of autobiographical a little bit in terms <laughs> of, you know, it's like a metaphor for our lives. Right. And uh, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. And how far along in the process are you at this point? Well, we uh, we have the script uh, ready to go. We are uh, prepping this uh, Kickstarter campaign as of, what, what is today, the 6th, 7th? 7th. 7th of October. We're going to try to launch by the 23rd of October. Okay. And um, we'll see if no, that happens. No, we're going to try to launch in early August. Well, yeah, that was the original <laughs> plan. We were going to be shooting the movie right now. <clears throat> Quick, everyone into the time machine. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, but it's a very ambitious campaign. Um, we're trying to raise more money than we've ever tried to raise before. So we're really uh, working hard on the campaign we have. In addition to the main video, we have about four other videos featuring Armin Shimmerman and Harry Groner, who are on Star Trek and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hello, I'm Armin Shimmerman. And I'm Harry Groner. We both had the pleasure of playing different characters in the world of genre television, like Harry had the chance to play the evil Mayor Wilkins on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Armin got to play the irascible Ferengi bartender Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Ferengi. 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 People often make the mistake of confusing us with the characters that we play. Well, I'm not a gold-pressed Latinum-obsessed alien any more than Harry is a giant spider-eating municipal official. Mmm. 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 Uh, no. Are you sure? Y yeah. Yeah. It's really tender. That's why we're excited to play two totally different, non-alien, non-demonic characters in Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. Our friends Anna Divine and Gabriel Diani are raising funds for their movie on Kickstarter. And they've got some terrific incentives, like oh. signed headshots of us. Oh, I don't have that one. Really? May I? Sure, if I can get one of yours. Absolutely. We make it out to Harry and Dawn? Sure, if you make it out to Kitty and the Butthead. Kitty and the Butthead. You got it. Good. There you go, pal. Thank you, thank you. Oh, you look good in this. This is, this is good. Just good. <laughs> <laughs> so, give what you can and share this video with your friends on Friendster. MySpace. Huh? I, I think it's MySpace now. Oh. Double. Oh. 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 Oh, no. That's really good. It helps the spider. Oh.
Janet Varney, who's on The Legend of Korra, which is a very hugely popular anime program. Um, <clears throat> Barry Bostwick went to Romania to shoot a, uh, uh, not stuff specifically for us, but he went to shoot. We sent Barry Bostwick to Romania to shoot right. a supplemental Kickstarter video. Yes. Nice. He was in Romania for a uh, Scorpion King directed DVD sequel, yeah. and uh, and he took his camera with him and made a this insane video. This insane really video. Is yeah. Great. That's yeah. Just wandering around the set and being goofy. It's yeah. great. And then we're doing every day. There's a different apocalypse. Okay. And so... Tips, uh, tips for surviving the apocalypse. Right. For a better end of the world. Right. Uh, so, and then we have... Some of them are us, some of them are our friends, some of them are cast members. Apocalypse tip three. Make your own sunscreen by combining dry dung and water. And, uh, yeah, so there'll be 30 of those. Yeah, a video right. every day. Oh, great. Just hope, because Kickstart, like, just simply having a Kickstarter campaign is no longer no. newsworthy. So we're hoping that the narrative will be, these people are crazy. They did one video for every day of their campaign. Look at this. So. Well, there's that. And there's also, we're just trying to provide something that's entertaining that people can share. And then there's also, oh, by the way, if you like this, right. as opposed to, give me money, give me money. Or, you Here's know. Here's my link again. Here's my link again. Right. So. We're giving so people something new every day to look at. And, you know, if someone isn't, convinced at the beginning of the campaign, maybe by the end, if they, well, you know, that was a, a good 35 videos that right? I watched for free, you know, maybe well, I'll get I think it's, it's great to have that front loaded because most of the campaigns that I've seen, it's like you, you get, you know, you might get a video update about mm -hmm. how the process, if it's a manufactured thing, right. or uh, I, I put in some money for this uh, one Kickstarter campaign that they're still, they, they uh, it's for a short film and they've mm -hmm. changed directors and they rewrote the script but they've they've done their Kickstarter campaign so they keep just doing videos about you know well here's our new director we want you to meet our new director it's like we'll be working soon <laughs> so uh, again here's our old director with his grievances for why he left and I mean you guys have learned from do not just you know seeing Kickstarter campaigns, but you've done several of them now yeah. for your movie. You've so done we know how hard it is. Again, why I don't know why we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and that's part of the reason why we're, we're getting everything done beforehand is because we've learned that once you're in it, you're scrambling to just try to get press and just try to, you know, you're emailing people, you're doing all this other work. And so then trying to make another video during the middle of a campaign is, is next to impossible. Um, and uh, this time we, we had the luxury of having not having a, a hard deadline so we could until now until now <laughs> uh if we don't do it before the holidays we'll, we'll have to wait we're doing it. yeah yeah because uh, we don't be competing with um people's, the lord god people's grandchildren <laughs> yeah no that's exactly right um uh, there's uh, some documentary makers that i'm actually going to be interviewing as well who have a kickstarter campaign about to start and I urge them for the same reason. You've got to get this done before you hit yeah. November. Or yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to say, I'm going to save that money for something else. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. Um, so what's your what's your goal for the campaign uh, money-wise? We haven't nailed it down, but uh, right now we're looking at 100 grand. Uh -huh. And um, that is... Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> That's 50 for production, which really isn't, isn't, enough. isn't a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, 30 for post, 10 for Kickstarter incentives, 10 for Kickstarter um, uh, fees. And Amazon. And Kickstarter and Amazon fees. And uh, that doesn't even take into account taxes. Uh, wow, okay. So, because 
The U.S. government considers that to be income. And it's right at the end of the year that we're going to be doing this. Yeah. So we're trying to we're in the process of trying to figure that out right now. And then we have a couple of stretch goals for um, uh, to sort of if if we are lucky enough to meet our goal, some other uh, goals that we can do. You know, if we get to a certain amount, then we can get some more shoot days. And when we're shooting portions of our act for the the film, we'll shoot sketches that aren't in the the uh, the film and release that as sort of a little concert video. Put that on the okay. DVD as well. Um, we'd also like to do um, for the end uh, song and dance number right now it's just the two of us out in the middle of nowhere on a deserted road we'd love to bring the entire cast uh, out yeah. you know but then you have we're to driving Gabe says I have an idea <laughs> let's make <laughs> it more expensive how about we increase the budget by 30% <laughs> uh, so that and like to have like a you could do a Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel style and just shoot those people in ISO shots, shots. <laughs> Right, in landscape that looks very similar to your final right. shot, and right. you just marry the, all that stuff. Green together. screen. Well, we've been doing a lot of green screens for the Apocalypse, actually. Our, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the guys um, who's been DPing for us, a friend of ours, um, is really excited about. Well, let's see if I can do this, and let's see if I can do that. So, we've been just taking advantage of him and uh, on his our generous. Uh, our main video, we we. Sh- I start out clean shaven and has got, you know, uh, freshly dyed hair right. and we're in, I'm in a tuxedo and she's in a nice dress. And over the course of it, we deteriorate <laughs> into what you currently nice. see. Yeah. So my hair grows and then, uh, and then the, the clothes get all ripped up and dirty. Wow. That sounds very ambitious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we've been shooting that since the beginning of July. So it took three months to shoot the video, this two minute video that people are going to see like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're so used to special effects at this point. Right. Right. And I don't know if it is um, as has as much of a wow factor as we hoped. The first, the you know, the first one, we're all in nice makeup and our clothes are perfect. And then the second one, I'm like, I'm not gonna wear any makeup. I'll just wear one false eyelash. My hair's gonna be messy, and I'm ripping this dress up. You can't barely tell the difference. You can tell by the end. (laughs) By the end, you can tell. Yeah. Because we're disgusting. Right. But yeah, the. So anyway, while we're shooting in different apocalyptic locations, and so we just shot a bunch of different uh, background plates, uh, and then we were bringing our friends in and did the green screen stuff with, for their pocket tips, and then we're just putting the the backgrounds behind them. So there sure are some apocalyptic locations in mm. uh, the Antelope Valley. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Mm. Um, how does this affect sort of? Maybe, maybe it doesn't, doesn't but how does this affect sort of the rest of your life while you've got this? What rest out? of or, our or life? Is this, <laughs> or is this your life? We've been working full time. Mm, the sound of tea being poured. <laughs> Delicious. We've been yeah, working full time on this since, since June? Middle of June. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and now it's October. And any campaign um, that's over, I, I don't know, I'd say the arbitrary amount of 10 grand, I think is a full time job. So. We'll be doing a lot of work in uh, more than a full-time job. Eight hours yeah. would be nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, all day, every day kind of thing. So yeah, so it, it is our lives at this point. And but like I said, we love creating, and we you know are passionate about it, and that's why we're doing it. It's been really fun to put the campaign together. I mm-hmm. mean, the most fun that we have are the sh- the shoot days for the pocket tips or for yeah. the the yeah. video. You get to go out and you get to shoot and edit stuff. It's we all made of the... our friend eat dog biscuits. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it harkens back to the greatest American hero and uh, 
what's his name, uh, who was uh, played the straight FBI guy in yeah. that, uh, who was always eating dog biscuits when we were on steakhouse. <laughs> right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Bill Maxwell. Yes. Yeah. Man, very good. Was very the character. Good. and uh, That's right. Uh, Robert Colt. Yes. Ah, yeah. good pull. Very nice. He, I've been re-watching it. He's so good he's, in that show. He's, he's really funny. I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day, but I said the time is right for a... Um, a darker AMC reboot of Greatest American Hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. An original Battlestar is to new Battlestar yes. as Greatest American Hero yeah. is to That would be my Kickstarter. That would be great. Let's do it. Hey, the name recognition, you're ahead of the game. Absolutely. Um, so what, uh, to get into the sort of uh, nuts and bolts of, of the Kickstarter campaign, as far as the public is concerned, what's, uh, what sort of reward levels are you offering? We haven't settled on everything yet, but we're going to do the standard, uh, you know, digital download at uh, like ten or fifteen dollars. Um, Twenty-five dollars, you get the DVD and the digital download, um, uh, posters, T-shirts, and then when you get up into higher levels, we're having sort of interactive experiences with the cast uh, that you can get. You can, you can Skype with Skype with Armin Shimmerman or Barry Bostwick or Janet Varney. Um, you can. Uh, Oh, signed headshots of those. People, signed headshots or us, of those or people. Watson. Watson's is going to have a headshot. Um, nice. uh, Barry Bostwick is going to record a, an audio commentary for the cult hit Megaforce. Okay. The DVD came out, I think, this year or last year. No commentary on it. So really? if you're there, are some fans of that. If they like that, they can get that. Armin oh, Shimmerman's going to yeah, record right. a couple commentaries for some Star Trek Deep Space Nine episodes, really? which has never been done. Which yeah. is they're not on any of the DVDs, so wow. people can just get an MP3 and play. Him like tell stories about it like that's gonna be awesome so that's great um any other you can get you know producer credits um uh, co-producer executive producer uh and the high high end and um there's probably some more stuff that i'm forgetting but could i just get a thank you is there a little (laughs) nope no thank you i always like that we will not (laughs) say thank you one (laughs) dollar no we you will not get a thank you from us at all uh, wait, we, we need to figure out something for the one dollar thing, yeah, probably well, like be, the soundtrack or yeah, something. Yeah, probably. Uh, Mark is being um, just getting a lot of attention from Watson over yeah, here. Well, I think Watson wants to get on the show. <laughs> what's going on? Well, he is the star of the movie, basically. Right. So. He's an attention hog. Yeah. He wants that laugh, is what he wants. <laughs> How was he as an actor? Um, he's been he's, really great. Yeah. yeah. But he. Uh, he gets tired quickly and he can't believe we have to go back to one yes we were just over there you seriously want to go back he walks where we tell him to walk he'll he'll sit when we tell him to sit for this this is the first time i've had a podcast guest on my (laughs) (laughs) oh you need to get a picture of this put this up with the episode all right there's some good ones there so it sounds like, uh, again, you guys have learned from experience that um, you know, to create a reward platform that people will respond to. Yeah. Right. I, re- I feel strongly that um, for something like a movie, uh, that it should be a pre-order and you should, get, you should get something better than if someone just walked into Target. Yeah. And got the thing because yeah. you're making it happen. A lot. We'll see a lot of movies on on crowdfunding platforms. They're like fifty dollars. You get a DVD, and it's like, okay, I know that 
we we know that it costs money to make those things. You want as much money as you can to make the movie, right. which is definitely but, some a problem we're running into. Like we can't spend you know forty out of a hundred grand on fulfilling incentives. We have to rethink this. So. But uh, but yeah, we do feel strongly people should get more for their money. So you know, for the price of a DVD, they're getting the DVD and the digital download, and uh, you know. T-shirts and posters and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, we want to give people a deal for their money. That's great. Um, <clears throat> what have you seen in terms of, uh, as part of your research, uh, and you got into it just a moment ago, but uh, in other people's crowdsourcing efforts that you just kind of shake your heads and go, rookie mistake. <laughs> well, the biggest rookie mistake uh, was this lady who did a $5 million campaign, didn't do a video, just had this weird headshot of her up and uh, and said that terrible. she did the best uh, campaign page that she intuitively knew how. And it's like, well, if only there was some way you could figure out how other people have done it. <laughs> oh my God, really? She had one one level. It was $1,000. Yeah. And, and what did you get? $25. You got $25 back. <laughs> How am I supposed to make a movie if I'm giving everyone all these gifts? I don't know what to do for incentives. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I'm not financially able to make a video right now, but I'm asking for $5 million. Which is not that much because Steven Soderbergh made Magic Mike for seven. So. Well, you, you can use an iPhone and make a video. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you're, you're asking for money to make a movie, you should show people that you, you know how to, to make them yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another reason why we're... Um, so anal about our videos too is like you know why why should we ask you to help us when we're not showing you that we're capable of delivering right. and you know movies on on kickstarter are tough because the general public doesn't really understand what it takes and so they don't understand when something takes another year it's like well we once again watson is on mark's lap podcast hog <laughs> You know, if, if let's say the festival process and you you uh, you finish your music and your everything in October and then you're submitting to top tier festivals and let's say you don't get into Sundance, Tribeca, Toronto, South By or any of those. Well, it has to come around to October again before you know that. And right. that's a whole year you've wasted um, basically just trying to get into festivals. And yeah. and, you know, these things just take forever. Uh, for the selling, we had post-production problems. Um, the company that we had hired ended up being terrible and useless, and we had to um, fire them and go find a whole other post-production team. And that, you know, wasted six months to a year. And and you know, there's that that apartment um, triangle of area, nice apartment, money. Yeah. And you know, it's the same thing for for movies. You get good, uh, you know, time, um, quality. And what's the what's the third one? Speed. Speed. Yes. No, time and speed are the same thing. <laughs> money, uh, money, time, money, and uh, quality, <laughs> and you can only have two. Uh, so, cheap, cheap. There we go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cheapness. <laughs> right. Time. <laughs> uh, re read a book about film. The, the triangles in there. <laughs> triangles available. <laughs> Don't listen to us. We no. don't know what we're talking about. So what happens usually when you have no money and you want to make a good product is that that time is the uh, the factor that gets extended. Yeah. Um, we were in this wonderful movie um, our friend Jocelyn made, and uh, it kickstarted in 2009 or 10. 
and um, they haven't been able to fulfill the movie itself yet, be, just really? because of these things of yeah. festivals and um, and you know when the DVD is coming out, DVD companies you know take months to sign, and then you've signed with them, and then you know oh we're releasing it next year, and so you know the movie is brilliant, and those people who backed it are going to get it, but you know yeah. it's been a while, so and that's just how it works, unfortunately. Is there? Um a sense of empowerment that comes with being uh, as as in control as you can be yeah. about your Absolutely. project as opposed to being an actor and waiting to get the call and all the yeah. other things. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have to make your own opportunities. It, it, it gives you control over your destiny. It makes you feel like you're doing something. And, um, you know, we've been in a couple other things that, you know, we weren't involved with and on the other end of it, which is great. It's great to come in and not have to write or produce. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but then like, <laughs> like when there's going to be a premiere or something, you can like, Oh, well, like what take did they use? And like, yeah. when you're not, <laughs> when you have no control over like how your performance is shown, you get, start getting nervous about it. But we also like the fact that there's no one to blame, but us, hmm. if it's not going to be good, it's our fault. And I'd rather it be my fault than be angry at someone, you know, right. for, not doing it the way that I want. Yeah, because th you know therapy will take care of your problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we, we right. can't afford therapy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what is it like um, in terms of the fact that you guys live together and now you work together, and so there's you know there's the constant thing of do you get a chance to check out of the project nope. occasionally? <laughs> do you think you should be able to? Yep. Yep. <laughs> You know, this project has, has been the last couple of months, but we have, uh, in the past, we've checked out. We will check out in the future. We're just <laughs> not able to check out right now. Sure. But, uh, you know, we've been working together like uh, eight years now. We've yeah. been working together. We were dating for five years before we started working together as a comedy team. And uh, and then it's kind of, it's, it's great in a lot of ways in that um, right now we're lucky enough to be able to work from home. And, uh, you know, I'm working over here. She's in there. And we get to be with each other all, yeah. all day. And um, uh, some people, that might be a nightmare for them with their significant other. But it's... I think it's hard for people who um, are in a relationship with a civilian, <laughs> um, for actors or for writers, producers, that kind of thing, because the time commitment that it takes is, um, I think, in a lot of ways, unfair to a significant other. And... Um, so we both understand, like, oh, you're doing a play? I'm not going to see you for three months. Right. And there's there's no resentment there for that. So I think that's a good good thing. Yeah. What else do you have a chance to do while you're doing this? Or is life just this part? Sometimes we'll, we'll watch part half of The Daily Show during lunch. <laughs> <laughs> we've... Uh, we've you know, we were involved with a, a theater company called the Antilles Theater Company here in Los Angeles. That's where we met Armin Shimmerman mm. and Harry Groner and uh, lots of wonderful, uh, great character actors that, you know, are working in TV all the time and film. And uh, so, like, they, they'll do table reads. We just did a table read of Inherit the Wind right. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, just pop in for a night, read a play, and get this, you know, socialize with folks. We'll go see people's plays. We're actually uh, making a couple promos for the theater company. Uh, we've done a couple in the past, and uh, so we're writing up a couple of those for well, their the later show. Well, the classical theater sliding into the YouTube era. So. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've seen those, yeah. and uh, they're very entertaining. So, uh, 
Thank the giving you back. Yes, yes. So we're doing another one of those in the next couple of weeks. I don't know where we're going to find the time, but we're going to do that. And, uh, yeah, and we need to start getting up on stage again because... Uh, it's concert films, so we better brush up our act. Got to brush up yeah. the act, yeah. With the success that you guys have had with Kickstarter, I mean, your, your, your book Kickstarter campaign... Uh, yeah. the the rewriting of Huck Finn <laughs> the ruining of Huck Finn <laughs> um, I mean you you know you were really um, for what you were asking to get and what you ended up getting quite phenomenally successful yeah yeah do you have people coming to you asking for advice on how to do how do I do a Kickstarter video what's the secret how do they I probably get... should more <laughs> yes but not as much as they should we have friends who put up a Kickstarter campaign is like why, why didn't, didn't you, you talk to us <laughs> ask we're like were your friends yeah. we would have yeah, uh, but we do uh, offer up advice to people sometimes unsolicited. unsolicited. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a, a fun uh, one that went up uh, like a, last week that was like, "Are you trying to get any publicity for this at all?" Um, but uh, yeah, we but we do get friends who will send us a link to their thing, and we're happy to give them feedback on it. And um, we do a lot of just well, someone will say, "Hey, my friend is going to do one. Can you talk to him?" And we'll meet and have uh, coffee with them right. and and give them advice that people would charge for but you know yeah. we kind of feel but like they may or may not follow i mean it's yeah, really right. difficult and i think a lot of people you know think it's too much work um i write uh for a blog and i've been doing some kickstarter advice on that and then we're also on uh on a occasional uh, podcast that turnstile news does um right it's called the, the crowd crowd, crowd. crowd. Oh, okay, noah j yeah. nelson um, yeah. does and um it's sort of like crowdfunding news and uh various experts like in a McLaughlin roundtable kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if somebody was getting ready to start a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for a movie or for, for really what anything at all, is, is there sort of basic nuts and bolts stuff that they should be doing that you often yeah. see not being done? Yeah. Uh, well, you wrote an article about it. I did. I, what did I say? It was uh, five <laughs> reasons you're not ready to crowdfund. Oh, right. Um, I hear a lot of people um and they'll literally say i'm just an artist i don't know how to you market, know whatever market, market yeah. or do this or do that and it's like well if you've said that in the last six months you're not ready to crowdfund because it requires if you know depending on how much you're asking for if you're an individual with a reasonable social network and um and a good product and you're trying to get you know three thousand dollars you can probably just put it out to your friends tweet it five or six times you know send out an email and you know your mom's friends will be so excited about it that you'll make your three, three grand yeah. right. but if you're trying to make you know 15 20 25 30 50 100 like you just really need to do a lot of preparation a lot of marketing a lot of um, it's all about building your audience yeah. so if you if you start small and do a project and you know you'll get your friends and family but maybe then you'll you'll get some sort of outlying people to come in and then if you can build on that audience with each project you can uh, you know build up to a, a higher uh, a higher goal one of our biggest um, struggles right now is trying to figure out how to get um, press mm -hmm. and uh, just the simple nature of having a Kickstarter campaign is no longer news so you have to have something that's that's unique about you or fun or super cool about your project and uh, some press and you have to do a lot of outreach yeah <clears throat> so we've been doing a lot of research uh, like looking up people who have written about Armin Shimmerman or Deep Space mm -hmm. Nine or the people in there or, or written about apocalypse movies or 
anything that sort of uh, relates to this campaign and then emailing individually all of those different uh, yeah, yeah. writers to say, hey, we're doing this. Do you, would you be interested in doing something on it? And a lot of times you don't get answers. Sometimes you'll get, oh, we don't cover Kickstarter or whatever. Right. But there have been a couple that we've gotten that have responded positively to it who we didn't know before. And mm -hmm. we've, we've reached out to everyone who had written about the selling and, uh, or, and you know, did the same thing with that and for Huck Finn. And it's just an incredible amount of legwork for very little actual return. <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty difficult. But, you know, it's, if, it's necessary. If your own personal network isn't enough to fund you, then you need to figure out how to give the campaign legs, and it's really difficult. But there are, are blog finders you can where you can put in a subject and sure. find it. Right. Yeah. So, and it's we had a couple of people help us with that. We had um, just I think asking your Facebook like, do you know anyone who writes a blog? Mm -hmm. um, and oh, someone might know you know Mark Hershon. Someone might know this person, and so if someone they actually know can be like, hey, my friend's doing this cool project. That's, you know, a way to get, to get some coverage. It's all about getting eyeballs. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tune in. People need to see things like three times before they're like, all right, I'll check this out. So isn't it seven? I thought it was seven. Well, at least three. <laughs> and the, the landscape has gotten so varied and spread out that you can't take a risk on not yeah. going somewhere. Right. You know? yeah. So the idea of using Twitter and Instagram and all these different, mm -hmm. different things almost. I still can't crack Reddit. I can't even get him to call me fat. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how this campaign uh, sort of unfurls uh, in sort of um, the light of the success you've had with the previous campaigns. Because right. see yeah. all that education kind of come into play. Um, and see, uh, you know, A, if is you can make your goal. effective? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it effective? And um, and then if you hit your 100000 are you able to then, you know, have further stretch goals and make yeah. even more right. money to, you know, make the movie that much better? Yeah, if, if we were able to hit, like, 150 or something, our blood pressure would really be a lot better. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a thing that occurs to me that, you know, when I write scripts, it's always, I always write movies that I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of writing something you, A, you've seen or you don't really care about? Right. Unless, of course, you're being paid to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it seems like the extension of now collaborating with crowdsourcing is you're creating a movie that you're hope, hoping these people want to see as well. Right. right. It's not just help me out because you're my friend. Right. Help me out because you're a friend of a friend. It's because, hey, I'm making this cool thing. Hopefully this will be a cool thing that you want to see too. Absolutely. And I think that there are a lot of um, niches that are underserved now with the way that uh, the film industry is. So it's all tentpole stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's And then independent on the independent side, it all tends to be a certain They're type. Like Daddy Touch Me movies. <laughs> This is not that? <laughs> no, oh, but we are working you know, on a I've script called Daddy Touched <laughs> Me. Right, right, right. I've got to rethink this interview. I thought that's what we were talking about. <laughs> uh, so, like, yes, you want to, you, we want to make something that we want to see, but the hope is that we're finding people who are like-minded that want to see the same type of things that we want to see that's not being made right now. Because uh, a lot of the reaction to the selling in, uh, in festivals was, oh, I love this so much. Why isn't Hollywood making these movies anymore? Yeah. And it's like, well, uh, you know, white woman who lives in Indiana in her early 40s, it's because, you know, I'll tell you why. Yes. 
Well, it's because a certain model of comedy does well, and then everyone sort of assumes, well, we got to make more of that. Yes, And exactly. so then you get one type of thing. Not that there's, like, you know, anything wrong with this particular type of comedies that are being made now. It's just that there's no variety. Right. So Until the next thing breaks through. Right. And, right. Then, and, then, and then there won't those. be any, yeah. 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 So we're just trying to add some variety to the slate. <laughs> yeah, which is great. And, uh, again, it's, that, it's getting that word out there as well, not just the project itself, but mm-hmm. what it is you're trying to do in terms of let's shift gears a little bit. You know, for people that want to do that, and right. you can be part of it. Absolutely, because um, that's always the excitement for me. I mean, I've, I've, you know, kicked in money for a number of campaigns just because, to me, it's like something that will shift consciousness about different things. Yeah, um, it's usually gadgets and stuff because you know I'm an early adopter and I'll see something cool on there and I go, I want one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is clearly until I get it. You know, I mean, I, I'm wearing a Pebble watch, hey. Which, hey. which I kickstarted. Yeah, you know? nice. And, good looking. And if this hadn't been successful, Apple wouldn't be putting out a, a, an iWatch, which they're working on. Samsung yeah. wouldn't be putting out their watch. Right. Yeah. But this thing was successful. And a lot of a lot of tech companies are using crowdfunding as a sort of market test, and I think that's uh, maybe less consciously true of movies. But I mean, if you look at the Spike Lee campaign, um, you know. I think it shows how many people were really interested in uh, the problem of blood addiction that his movie didn't blow up because if Spike Lee had come out with a Spike Lee movie that everyone was excited about, you know, it would have done what Zach Braff and Veronica Mars did. And that's an interesting point. What about those those movies that are either from people that ha- obviously have a lot of money in the case of yeah. Zach Braff and, and the people he knows, raising $2 million can't mm-hmm. be that big an exercise for him normally, or Veronica Mars, which is a studio-backed project, yeah. really, and now has opened the floodgates for these other projects where studios are going, hey, this is great. We can get people to pay to make these movies, right? and then, we'll, then they'll pay to go watch it. Right. Well, with the case of uh, Veronica Mars, people do get the movie at a, at a certain level. So right. there are, so it's not like they have to pay twice right. twice for it. But um, and that's also very specific. That's a that's yes. a that's a franchise that had an audience, and that movie was never going to be made. If yeah, Warner Brothers had made it very clear they had been trying for years. Everyone had been signed on. Like it could have yeah. gone at any point in the last ten years, and uh, so yeah, they've been trying to get that made. But like this, this is a failed TV show. Why would we make a, a, a yeah. big screen adaptation of this? And they're like, well, if you give us the right, they, they tried to buy the rights from them and it didn't work. So if you if we are able to raise the money, will you help us distribute it? So um, I understand why some people got a little snitty about it, but I don't think that that, uh, and I know that there's going to be a rush from people in Hollywood to try to capitalize on it, but I don't think it's going to work for everything because not everything has a built-in audience like that. Um, So I think, uh, and I think the glamour of, oh, this famous person is doing something has sort of gone away. And I think that we'll see, um, I think people are just going to be like, oh, I like that project. I'm going to make that one happen. The Spike Lee one struggled a lot for the reason that I, th- that I think that the, the shine had gone off of famous people doing right. it and the project and wasn't, wasn't very exciting. <laughs> I'm waiting for the reverse Kickstarter project from someone like Warren Buffett. If you send me $100, <laughs> I will send you $1,000. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can get on board with that. Well, there's also the issue of them uh, kickstarting the latest uh, Atlas Shrugged movie. Oh. It's like, let's uh, get people who hate charity and hate <laughs> and are, you know, pro selfishness to get us money. And they did. So I guess it worked. Yeah. No, exactly. in, a, in a movie that the market has spoken and said that they definitely don't want. So. <laughs> but they, they said in that campaign, this, we're doing this, we have the money to make it, this, we're just doing this for marketing purposes. Right. I was like, all right. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel clean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes me want to bathe. Yeah. But, you know. Well, that's my general reaction to Ayn Rand, so. <laughs> it, is a, it is a good marketing thing, but to just do it solely for marketing He's is. He's finally jumping into the conversation. <laughs> Finally, we're waiting for 40 minutes. It only took the mailman coming. <laughs> his, his, his nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very cliched dog. <laughs> Watson, what are you doing? That's funny. Um, is the end result of doing these projects... Uh, or one of the end results, the idea that you could attract the attention of a of a studio to make your future projects. Absolutely, I mean, at, at bare minimum, we want to just be able to create, mm -hmm. and uh, we want to be able to <clears throat> make stuff and and be creative. Um, and we'd also like to build our audience so that maybe we won't need to uh, go to a studio. At, in, in the future, because I think the future is niche niche markets and yeah. sort of direct to fan stuff, but uh, we've got some pretty expensive scripts that uh, <laughs> we'd love to make someday, and uh, the the idea that we'd be able to crowdfund them is, is a little remote. Yeah. Mm. So there's definitely some projects that we'd we'd love to be able to talk to people. But and since the job uh, the Jobs Act thing just happened, I can say legally, if you would like to give us seven million dollars to make our alien movie, we would <laughs> gladly talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm sure Mark probably has some scripts that he wouldn't I, mind. Uh, I do, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, we definitely like that. We de we definitely like to um, get some representation that could uh, <laughs> sure. maybe help Actually us get help. auditions <laughs> for other things to uh, so that we can make our little projects on the side and maybe make some money uh, acting. Maybe you could crowdfund to buy an agent. <laughs> Just say we're going to give you your ten percent up front for the next two years, right? From from right. from this Kickstarter campaign, or to build an agent, yeah, yes. perhaps a robotic agent, yes, or send somebody to agent school, <laughs> get their agent degree, yeah, yeah, because they study hard. Oh yes, yeah. and they work hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, our agent just retired, so we're um, suddenly agentless. Oh man, retired at retired at thirty. Yes. <laughs> The business is going so well for him. Nice. He decided to move on to something else. Uh, That's nice. Yeah. Um, well, great. Uh, best of luck with the, not just the campaign, but the movie, of course. Thank you. Yes. And uh, we'll uh, we'll check in with you along the way and see awesome. how things are going. Maybe with the uh, towards uh, the midpoint of the campaign, we can get an update. That would be Absolutely. great. Absolutely. And then we'll uh, see how it all went. And. Uh, then we'll see how it's going to go great. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Particularly with the the, the turnout you're going to get from my podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. you What's will... a podcast? Exactly. Uh, what do you call your fans? <laughs> Succotashers? Podcasteries. Uh, Succotashians, yes. Succotashians. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Gabe and Anna. And, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's nice to I'll, see you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, and thank you, Watson. Yes.
Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Gabe, Etta, and Watson. You can see a picture of Watson actually on my lap while I was recording that interview at their home in L.A. up at SuccotashShow.com. And you can also find the link to their Kickstarter campaign there, too. Or go to Kickstarter.com and search for Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. You know what? I bet if you just type in Apocalypse in the Kickstarter search window, you'll be able to find it, too. If, that is, you can spell Apocalypse. Hello, you lovely, lovely people. My name is Mr. Davian Bent from The Bitter Sound Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Bitter Sound, available on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. And it gives me great pleasure to say, you groovy fuckers, you are listening to Succotash. Our ambassador to the middle, political comedian Will Durst, beats up the Obamacare website's many glitches in this week's Bursto Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a bit of good news for a change. Republican politicians are finally interested in the internet. At least they're no longer referring to it as tubes and tunnels and chutes and ladders. They're holding hearings into what has gone wrong with the Obamacare website, demonstrating concern that it may not be working well, which is real similar to having cobras worry that the mouse door is chronically unlocked. What's funny is the sight of these white grandfatherly types who couldn't tell a glitch from a sneech, complaining about something they have the same familiarity with as a calico cat does with calculus. The thing is, they're perfectly right. Even Democrats agree the website technology for Obamacare is so outdated, it looks like Health and Human Services rescued it from CompuServe's trash using a dial-up modem. There are at least four or five areas of this country where you could have gotten a class of sixth graders to construct a better site during study hall. It's the ultimate techie nightmare. More crashes than Windows Vista through 27 stories of skylights. A healthcare portal with all the compassion and efficiency of the DMV. Coming soon, leeches. Although many folks claim that plenty of licensed barbers are already caucusing with the House majority. Face it, if the government created the cloud, it would be known as the fog. But by focusing their attention on the website, the GOP seems to be signaling that, after trying to repeal it 50 times and going so far as to shutting down the government to get rid of it, they're finally on board with Obamacare and just want to straighten things out and make them better. In other words, they're now complaining about the menu, not the meal. For a succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Boom! We're done. That's Epi 73 all wrapped up and ready to go. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please remember to pass the succotash to your friends, family, and total strangers. If you did not enjoy it, well, keep that shit to yourself. Later. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, 
reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.